My name is Ifoma Ozoma. I was most recently Pinterest Public Policy and Social Impact Manager. And before that, I was at Facebook. Before then, I was at Google. And I started at Google after graduating from Yale. Erica? Hi, I'm Erica Shimizu Banks. I am the founder and principal of Shiso LLC, a consultancy I started this year that specializes in business development and workshops and trainings with a racial justice and equity lens. Uh, prior to that, I was the head of federal affairs for Pinterest and I started their DC office. And before that, I spent almost six years at Google where I worked in executive recruiting and then on the legal team where I worked on patent policy, and develop diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives for the legal department. Before that, I was an appointee in the Obama administration, and uh, before that, worked in environmental justice policy and government affairs. And I hold a master's in science from Oxford University and a BA in environmental policy and public affairs from Seattle University. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining. For our listeners, these are one of the most brilliant women, just brilliant people I ever met, but brilliant black women, uh, whose story you might have seen on the news, it's been in a news cycle for two, three weeks now, uh, who are here joining the Tech Policy Podcast to tell us their story and to tell us uh, about their experiences, both at Pinterest and in general in the tech policy world, in the tech world. So I have these, I truly say this from the bottom of my heart, the most impressive people I have come across in the five years I've been in tech policy. Um, joining me to talk about it. So let's get into it. Um, you ladies uh, describe your background, um, you know, your educational background and your career background before you joined Pinterest. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about where you grew up? Just kind of what was before all the success and uh, all the, you know, degrees, um, like what formed you as a person? Well, I can start. This is Ifoma. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, actually. Um, and my parents moved to Anchorage from Nigeria. So I grew up in an immigrant household, though um, I, myself and my sister were born in Anchorage. And uh, in middle school, we moved to North Carolina. And from North Carolina, I went to boarding school in Connecticut, in Wallingford, Connecticut at Choate and from Choate then to Yale. And it was at Yale that I studied uh, political science with a focus on the Fourth Amendment and on privacy rights. And that was what got me interested in working in tech. And I took that tech policy background to Google and then from Google uh, to Facebook and then was recruited actually to be the second person on the global public policy team at Pinterest. Erica, uh, you know, I actually, Erica, I knew you before I met you at one of the receptions, I think, in D.C. from your TED Talk, which, like, made me cry. Um, but I cry a lot um, in general from a lot of things that move me. Uh, but that one really made me cry. And I kind of was a little starstruck when I met you. Uh, and then I had you on a podcast uh, before, which we'll talk about a little later, um, where you brilliantly advocated for Pinterest. So what is your background for people who maybe haven't listened to the previous podcast? Well, thank you so much, Ashken. And uh, my background is I grew up in Sacramento, California, 
uh, the daughter of a Japanese woman who's from Osaka, Japan, who immigrated to the US in the 80s, and uh, an African-American father from Texas who grew up in a time when most uh, black folks had to live in segregated, almost shanty-like towns um, where he grew up in Texas to going to public school in San Francisco where uh, he was regularly taunted with the N-word by his classmates. Um, and uh, I grew up in a very racially diverse city, fortunately, um, Sacramento, California, uh, which I think until a few years ago didn't even have a racial majority, which is sort of amazing. Um, and had an amazing experience there and knew very early on that I wanted to work in policy. Uh, because of leadership positions I held in high school, reporting to the school board, uh, being included on task forces for the district on race and equity and inclusion. Um, I knew I wanted to work on policy issues and because of my love for the environment and seeing how the environment changed in suburban Sacramento with the housing boom uh, that you know preceded the 2008 bubble crash. Um, I knew I wanted to work on environmental policy and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, another important part of my story is that my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a small business owner. She cleaned houses for a living. And I, as a child, was ashamed by her profession. But the older I got, the more I learned to respect her work and the challenges she faced as an immigrant starting her own business. And so all of that led me to, you know, the White House where I worked on environmental policy, and then to Google where I was able to develop diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives um, that I detail in that TED Talk you mentioned, uh, inspired in part by my mother and inspired by the challenges that my father and brother especially faced uh, being as presentably black men in America. And, um, you know, I took those experiences with me to develop these programs, programs at Google, but also to engage the community. And so I was also uh, recruited by Pinterest for those very reasons, which is what made it seem like a compelling jump and leap in my career uh, to join a public policy and social impact team where I would be the third member of the team, uh, where I was referred thanks to IFOMA, who I had the blessing of working with at Google. Um, and I was told that, you know, Pinterest is looking to merge its public policy with social impact. And they wanted me on their team because I had done that so well at Google. But sadly, that was not the case. Um, Ifoma, you also mentioned being recruited and being, so you guys were uh, recruited as second and third members of a team. Uh, do you mind just for timeline telling us uh, what year, what month that was? Yeah, so that was July of 2018. So when I was recruited, it was to come on and run all of the U.S. policy, as well as build out a policy program that didn't exist in working with third-party groups. What that eventually became was the partnerships that I created with organizations like the WHO, the CDC, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and brought their expertise as public health experts into the actual products that we were building at Pinterest, as well as the content policies that we had. And that uh, the way that the role was sold to me was not only would I be helping to build the public policy team from the ground up at Pinterest, but I would get to do all of this before the company went public. So the uh, Pinterest didn't go public um, on the 
New York Stock Exchange until April of 2019. So I joined almost a year before we went public as a company. And Erica, when did you join? And I joined right after Pinterest went public, but during, um, but began negotiations for the role prior to them going public. And I joined in May, 2019. What was the role uh, that uh, was described to you as you were negotiating coming on and joining Pinterest? So I was told that I'd be the third person on the team, that it was a role with equal partnership with the manager, and that EFOMA had done so much to trailblaze in that position and develop the role. And similarly, I would be able to do so. I was told that my responsibilities uh, would be determined, uh, but that I would have um, a substantive role in designing those responsibilities, that I would have a mandate and a budget, um, that promotion would be based on performance and not tenure. And therefore, in the exact words of my manager, if you're killing it, we're going to promote you no matter how soon that is. And I was told that, you know, because of my work in racial equity and my deep engagement with the DC community, they wanted me to bring those elements into both the public policy work and the social impact work. So I led sustainability uh, for the company um, based on my previous experience working in environmental policy. And I also uh, led the due diligence for um, establishing a philanthropic arm of the company. I think now it's important to mention uh, the two major policy developments that Pinterest had that you ladies were working on and spearheading that put Pinterest on the map. Um, and uh, that is the anti-vax uh, content uh, policy change and then also the plantation weddings uh, policy change that I believe was in collaboration with the Knot. Do you mind elaborating for our listeners what they were, uh, how you came up with those ideas, how you developed them, and what was the feedback uh, that you got when they were live? Yeah, I think it's important to establish the fact that in the fall of 2018, when I first worked on getting the company to establish publicly uh, stated misinformation policies, no other peer company had misinformation or disinformation policies that were clearly stated. So this uh, came out of an incident where uh, Apple kicked Alex Jones off of the iTunes store. Uh, all of this seems antiquated now because just yesterday, YouTube and Reddit purged thousands of different uh, far-right accounts and hate groups from their platforms. But in the fall of 2018, no one was really trying to address misinformation and disinformation in a serious way. So uh, I pushed the company working with content policy and trust and safety to establish the uh, still existing four-part misinformation policy that we then used in uh, February of 2019 to make the decision uh, to actually stop anti-vaccination searches on Pinterest. That was the news that got Pinterest on the front page of the Wall Street Journal just two months before the company went public. Mashable and others wrote a number of positive pre-IPO stories about how the company had led in the social media space and was making bold decisions that other platforms had refused to to that point. 
after the IPO in October, I think either August of uh, 2019 actually, is when uh, my work took it a step further and we actually worked with the WHO, the CDC, American Academy of Pediatrics and others to uh, provide helpful vaccine-related and health-related information on the platform for the many people who happen to be on the platform, are looking for health and wellness tips, and then venture into vaccine-related content. Our stance was always that uh, Pinterest is not the place for, and social media in general is not the place where you should be going to seek health information, but as a platform that reaches eight and 10 mothers in the United States, there is that responsibility to make sure that they're not, uh, they're not engaging with content that's going to be harmful to them, their children or their families. And so that was really important uh, for me to do and to make sure that it was in concert with the experts at the public health organizations who actually know exactly what they're doing on these topics. Relatedly, I had been working with uh, the Change the Terms Coalition. They're a group of organizations, which includes Color of Change and others, who are really invested in making sure that uh, platforms have policies that don't allow for hate speech or hateful content. And as part of that, Color of Change reached out and let me know that along with The Knot and other wedding websites, they had noticed that uh, that slave plantations were still being promoted on Pinterest as wedding venues. That is abhorrent. <laughs> slave plantations should be in the same caliber as concentration camps. They should not be places where people are having celebrations. And if they're used at all, it should be as museums and with the full historical context of the terror that took place on them for centuries. And so I brought a Color of Changes a recommendation that the platform stop promoting these sites as wedding venues to a number of different teams, one of which included our own team, the public policy team. And uh, with my recommendation that we stop promoting them, the company eventually, after several months, uh, two months of back and forth, decided to make the decision that I had recommended and that Color of Change had recommended. That resulted in probably after the first two news cycles relating to health misinformation, the next largest news cycle that we had, where there were over 75 positive stories, almost all of which led with Pinterest in the headline. So just really good brand lift for the company. But my manager, me and Erica's manager, turned around after all of that good press and gave me a bad performance review citing my recommendation and saying that I should have provided the pros for leaving the plantations up as wedding venues and continuing to promote them. So I think that sentence is where we reach the halfway of this episode. We kind of established your background and everything you've worked hard on and uh, how much goodwill you brought to Pinterest. I personally want to mention that there is at least five videos of me speaking on panels, bringing up Pinterest as a great example of a company that's using Section 230 and making great content moderation decisions. Um, 
and I mean, three of us were not really in the same room before. Uh, so I met Erica twice, uh, but it wasn't you ladies lobbying me. It was me seeing the policy and promoting it just for full disclosure. Um, and then you get a negative review for not writing out the pros of, I just, of, of promoting or keeping up slave plantation weddings on the platform. Um, I think this took a turn is not, it's not, it won't really describe uh, how horrifying that is. Uh, do you mind now going more into, because obviously you've talked to press before, uh, other incidents that you have experienced uh, as you were working at Pinterest and uh, bringing them so much goodwill and good press? Yeah, so before the uh, negative performance review, it, what is really important context is that for a year at that point, a year and three months by the time I got that negative performance review, I had raised concerns internally about my level. The way that tech companies uh, do uh, pay and um, compensation is based on levels. And the levels create brackets uh, that are supposed to rely entirely on your job description and on the work that you do. The document that we had, I did not receive. I started in July of 2018. The level, my level and my level description was not shared with me until September of that year. So several months I, after I had begun. And when I received it, the level that I was assigned to was a junior level uh, for pay and did not make sense and did not align at all with the senior level work I was doing. I was the second person on the team leading all of our US policy, all of the global third party work. And the description of my work was much higher on the chart than where I was being paid. I came in with uh, the trust that the company wanted to do the right thing. It is a company that had had a lot of press about diversity initiatives. And aside from that, just always held itself up as an example of a good tech company. We are not like the Facebooks and the Googles and the Apples of the world. We treat our employees well, we care about our users and everything else flows from that. And so I went to my manager and wanted to have an honest and open discussion about addressing it. He told me we'll address it uh, at the performance review cycle at the end of the year. I was patient, continued to do my work, work that got great press for the company, and then brought it up again in January. I was dismissed from January through the IPO date. I actually have an email from the morning of the IPO where my manager um, sent an email saying that my work, he had read a number of IPO stories that had referenced my work. That on its face sounds like a nice thing to do, except for when for the last seven months you've been refusing to address the pay of someone who has whose work has now had a material impact on this day and on the company going public successfully 
and you're still refusing to address that while also telling them how great their work is and how much it's impacted uh, uh, the successful IPO. So I continued um, to persevere internally until May when I hired an attorney and had him reach out to the company. And I did that as a way of just having another advocate because I did not have any advocates within the company. And I still didn't leave until a year after my attorney first reached out to the company because the company refused to address it for a year and a half. Erica, I believe you experienced similar uh, issues with the way they put you in a certain bracket. Am I correct? Yes. So the way that leveling was presented to me was based on a lie. First, I was told during negotiations that IFOMA had a role to play had played a role in developing the levels and that the team as a whole, so including our manager, including Ifoma, had had created the levels. And I also wanted to make sure that there was a path to mobility so that I would not be stuck at the same level throughout my tenure at the company. Um, And so I asked and made, I asked to make sure that that was the case. And that was when I was told, yes, there are, you know, there are levels to this and um, you will be promoted based on your performance accordingly. Um, So I want to ensure, you know, that you will have that mobility. Further, um, I actually, you know, of course, was not aware of what was on that level chart while I was in negotiation. So I didn't see this chart until after. And um, I was also told that Ifoma was informed of every aspect of my hiring and the role, since she was, even within Pinterest internal system, labeled as a hiring manager. When I joined, I found out that she was not actually given the full information about my role, and I was placed at one level higher than Ifoma, and yet two levels lower than our manager. Um, I also found out that Ifoma had nothing to do with the level chart and was not involved in its creation at all. It turned out that the only person who had created the chart or contributed to the chart was our manager. So he was in effect putting himself at the highest level of the chart and creating superficial and very arbitrary and vague standards for what each level meant. That ensured that he would always have say, and he did, according to Pinterest policy, managers have managerial discretion on um, promotion, on uh, raises, et cetera. And so he put himself as the arbiter of all power related to the levels. Now that would be one thing, many companies I'm sure do this, but he presented it as an opposite scenario, which was highly disturbing. And unprofessional, sorry, go ahead. And furthermore, (laughs) Uh, When I did eventually ask about promotion in October to prepare myself for the performance reviews and promotion reviews that would go on in January of 2020, he ignored me for weeks. First, I asked for information about promotion. He sent me just the timeline of the performance review process. I followed up again and, in fact, had to involve someone from one of the HR teams to get him to answer my questions about promotion. It took him several weeks to respond even though he is only the manager of the two of us and he was a part of the negotiation process in which, you know, he full throatedly um, expressed his awareness, you know, of, and his understanding of the promotion process. 
But then when it came down to brass tacks and time to get this in writing, I was stonewalled. Uh, there were also reports of the company hiring a private investigator because of an initiative and an advice you gave to the company. Do you mind elaborate? Do you mind elaborating about that? Sure. Well, I earlier made complaints about managerial issues in um, in September, and none of my claims were found to be substantiated by internal HR, including that my manager had basically said something racist to me. And when he did, I recommended to HR, I asked that he receive coaching. Um, I wasn't asking for anything drastic like he be fired or anything. I just wanted it to be taken into consideration. I was told that they found he, there was no bias, even though they established he did say these racialized things to me. Um, because he told them he had no ill intent and therefore it doesn't qualify as bias, not taking into consideration at all the impact that had on someone who had just joined the company two months ago, had foregone a successful career at Google and the compensation and stock that goes along with it and was now at a company where two months in, if I were to leave, I would basically lose out on about half to two thirds of my overall compensation. So I was in a bind. Um, and I actually took time, right, to, uh, you know, not say anything until other issues accrued so that I'd have, you know, a very comprehensive, hopefully like one and done, like here are some issues, let's resolve them together um, process. That was not to be the case. Instead, I was retaliated against almost immediately. And the turning point in the retaliation occurred when in December, uh, Pinterest decided and someone on the executive team decided that uh, Pinterest would not pay contractors uh, between Christmas and New Year's because the office is closed. Even though last year, Pinterest, or the previous year, Pinterest did pay these contractors. They also announced this change less than a month um, before it was due to take place over Thanksgiving. Can you imagine being, and these roles that were affected were janitorial, security, and catering. Can you imagine being a low-wage contractor to begin with and suddenly the pay that you were expecting because you re received it the year before would no longer be available to you. As an alternative, they um, offered to have these folks deep clean instead. They would have originally received, you know, the year before. This year they had to deep clean for it. I went to our consultants, our government affairs consultants, um, for federal issues who were under my purview uh, for their advice. And as soon as I just described some of the details of this decision, um, they flipped out and they were like, you have to reverse, this has to be reversed. Um, it's also worth noting that I found out about this decision, not from my team, but from the news, because Casey Newton of The Verge had written about it. It then, uh, I then learned that actually my manager was aware, but decided not to let the rest of us know. We verbally discussed it as a team, the three of us, and sadly I don't have notes of this because it was a phone call, but Ifoma and my manager and I all discussed and we all agreed that we would advocate to reverse the decision. Only Ifoma and I ended up advocating to reverse the decision. Our manager suddenly had gone silent. In response to my advocating for the reversal of the decision, um, the general counsel sent me a berating email questioning my competency, questioning whether I knew how to do my job, even though I had represented the company very well and very publicly and on highly sensitive and confidential issues for a very long time up for, for every, at every point up to this. 
And um, she also made sure to note that uh, the company indeed reversed the decision, but she wanted me to know that I had nothing to do with it. And then she questioned whether I had actually turned to my own government affairs advisors for advice. She accused me of lying and said that I did not consult them, even though I have emails that prove that I indeed did. Um, the government affairs consultants lied, um, I'm sure under intimidation from her, and said that they had never given me a recommendation, even though, again, I have in emails proof showing that they did. And so on the strength of that, not the recommendation itself, but whether I had consulted our government affairs consultants on it, the GC, I, I was forced to undergo an investigation from an outside law firm. And I was forced to submit to two hours of this investigation. I was promised a recording of this investigation, which they never provided to this day. Um, my lawyer was a part of it. And... Uh, and even though he was a part of this, they still did not provide the agreed upon recording um, or any findings. And my guess is that the findings did not substantiate the uh, lies that Pinterest tried to uh, place upon me to substantiate firing me. And so um, it just suddenly disappeared. But there were several internal investigations launched by members of our own team based on this incident. And again, not based on whether it was the right or wrong thing to advocate for our lowest paid contractors to be paid during the holidays, but the conditions of, that recommend, of those recommendations. And um, you know, phones were confiscated, personal devices were confiscated, um, contacts and social media accounts were were viewed by members of the legal team in these investigations. Uh, they bullied and harassed several members across the company for simply having a good working relationship with us related to this. And so on May uh, 22nd, that was my last day at the company. And even um, leading up to my leaving the company, uh, the harassment and scrutiny continued, including, including of um, payments and sponsorships I had made in my role as, remember, a community builder in D.C. with Black small businesses, which is part of why Pinterest hired me, um, and all of those sponsorships were scrutinized to, uh, to partnership payments to Black-owned organizations and businesses. That is basically what Mafia used to do back in the 20th century, just my, my commentary on that. And I'm really sorry uh, that happened. Before I let you go, is there anything else you wanna say? Uh, to I just wanna say, you know, I had, I've had such an incredible career and experience in tech and beyond it. I had an incredible experience at Google where I was empowered to build teams and build programs based on my criticisms of the organization based on my pointing out where the company could do better. I was actually embraced and amplified for that. Similarly, working in the White House under a black president, it was one of the most respectful, fast-paced, stressful, but highly rewarding uh, jobs I'd ever had. This experience at Pinterest has been the most unethical, most hypocritical, 
and most unprofessional environment I've ever been in in my life. I want to thank you for being such an advocate and also being so brave and coming out with a story. Um, it really helped a lot of people and I know it will change the industry. Thank you. And thank you for providing us a platform as Black women because we speak not just for ourselves, but for the many Black women at Pinterest who have experienced this and the many Black women across the industry who are experiencing pay inequity and discrimination. So thank you for providing your platform for this issue. I know there were a lot of incidents and I would want to highlight as many as you want to highlight. Um, so do you want to go into the doxing one next or? Yeah, absolutely. So the timeline is important to uh, keep note of here. So I started July of 2018 and September of 2018 is when I first raised concerns about my pay internally. Uh, in April, in May of 2019 it, or April of 2019 is when the company went public. All of my work led to a successful public offering or at least uh, helped with a successful public offering. Um, and then in May of 2019, my attorney first reached out to the company. What is important context to keep in mind is our public policy team globally was the three people, me, Erica, and our manager, but we sat within the legal organization at the company. So my manager's manager was, is the company's current general counsel and is the same person who was the general counsel when we were there. So when my attorney reached out, the person who he had to reach out to on behalf of the company was my manager's manager, our general counsel. Our assumption was that then it would be handed off to outside counsel because otherwise there would be a huge conflict of interest in having people on my same team in my larger organization handling the situation, but that's not what happened. There are a number of things that happened over the course of my time at Pinterest that were incredibly unprofessional, but the conflict of interest and the insistence from the general counsel that she and her deputies investigate someone within their own team and handle their own team's issues was the most egregious for me, especially since they were all attorneys who were engaging in this unethical conduct. Um, not even a month after my attorney reached out to the general counsel was when I was doxxed by a white male employee at the company. He took issue, it was, the timing was sort of a, an awful coincidence, but he took issue with some of the policy decisions that I had pushed for, the removal of some of the same people who YouTube and Reddit just removed accounts for now over a year later. And- Sorry, I'll stop you. I, I'm gonna say white supremacists. Yes, exactly, yes. Let's not from the, <laughs> from so the platform, exactly, exactly. People whose content clearly violated the policies that Pinterest had had at the time and violated the policies of many other platforms who didn't take them or take action against them until now they see Facebook uh, dealing with a huge advertiser boycott. But anyway, uh, he worked with an outside organization uh, that I'm going to just not name 
and they shared my information and the information of two other female colleagues all over the internet and the nastiest parts of the internet. The company's response was so slow and inadequate. It took over a week for the company to start engaging in any meaningful way in the removal of the content. I had to ask friends at Facebook and Google to help remove my information, my photo, full name, cell phone, uh, and email were shared. And I had to ask for my own personal contacts to help get the content removed and was doing all of this while then engaging with my lawyer about whether the slowness in response from the company had to do with the fact that they had just received a letter from him three or so weeks before. When we finally received uh, correspondence from the company, it was so dismissive that it, I, I, to this day, am not sure whether the response from the company and the inadequacy of it to the doxing had to do with their anger at me engaging outside counsel in a pay dispute. My issue with the company's response from the time I first raised things internally, the months I gave them to resolve it internally before introducing outside counsel, and then the additional months I gave them after outside counsel was engaged before I finally left, is that the company always took my work and the positive press that it brought Pinterest seriously but never took me as an individual seriously and the concerns that I raised seriously. When I advocated on behalf of the company externally, got the company praise from the WHO, the director general of the WHO specifically called out Pinterest and the work that we were doing. The Surgeon General of the United States did the same. Name a government uh, public health agency in any, in any country where Pinterest has a large market, that, that public health agency shouted out Pinterest positively. And so to go from that and the amount of praise they were happy to get from my work to then being dismissed out of hand made no sense to me. I always presented a very practical case. The work that I was doing had a description that was not in line with where I was being paid. That was my only contention. I'm a capitalist, we operate in a capitalist society. I respect that. Meritocracy is a word that's used all of the time within Pinterest and within the larger tech ecosystem. And if that's the case, and those are the principles we wanna live by, then we should actually do that for everyone. My concern with the treatment that I experienced and the treatment that others are continuing to experience at Pinterest and other tech companies is that it's actually doing the shareholders of the companies a disservice. Because when you're not maintaining and retaining the best talent that you have, you're not doing well by the company. As a very solid example, this week, as a bunch of advertisers pulled their funds from Facebook, there was a golden opportunity for Pinterest to do well by its shareholders by being able to do outreach to every single ad agency that pulled money from Facebook and say, we and the work that we're doing here are in line with your values and you should redirect all of those funds, at least for the month of July, 
to Pinterest. Now they can't do that, not honestly, because if you're at any ad agency in the world and you do a quick Google search, my, my name, <laughs> the work that I led, and the fact that the company has responded in such an egregiously bad manner is the first thing that you're gonna see. And now is not the time if you're an advertiser to be in cahoots with a company that is just so clearly hypocritical about Black Lives Mattering. So take away the morality of the situation and just like the pure business focus and business lens is that this was a bad business decision for the company to make. I have a quick follow-up question on the doxing that happened to you. What happened to the employee who did it? He, after a week, was finally fired. He was on leave. Um, during that week, he did a cable news interview where he boasted about the doxing and the releasing of the information. Uh, there was a GoFundMe set up for him that raised, I think, $75,000, somewhere around there. And now he works full-time for the organization that he leaked the information to and that doxed me. All of these experiences are something that no one shouldn't encounter. And the fact that Pinterest did that to two brilliant Black women is completely, I don't want to use the word shocking. It's just so wild to me how it's, it's not even, you know, it's like they have two brains and two consciousnesses. Um, with the way you described how they loved the work you did and all the connections you created and how uh, far Pinterest reach was worldwide in their policy development. And then how they treated you, how they basically ghosted you for uh, you trying to just negotiate your work. I just, I mean, I'm still, I don't know how exactly any human being would do that to someone. Um, and I'm really sorry, but I think it is a very strong showing in the tech community uh, of a support they've thrown behind you. Um, and that speaks to the fact that Pinterest uh, messed with the wrong people because we're not going to let this go. We're not going to shut up about this. They've had three weeks of a new cycle. Well. There is another month of this coming. I want to address how Pinterest reacted to you and Erica going public with a story. Because you went public, you still um, didn't you know, share or leak your story to any of the reporters. I'm sure you have a lot of reporter friends and people who know you from your work um, until the Black Lives Matter protests happened and United States um, had to have all the conversations on race and racism that we are having. That's when you went, I believe on Twitter, right? That was the first place you went. Yeah, it was on Twitter. Yep. And I actually, so we had the same last day, me and Erica, and that was May 22nd of this year. On June 2nd, so not even a few weeks after our last day, was when Pinterest, I think it was the first week of June, was when Pinterest shared its own Black Lives Matter and Black Employees Matter statement. 
that was, uh, I mean, irksome is the, not even a strong enough description for what that felt like because we had left just days before. And so, and, and whoever would have approved that statement would have known why we left and exactly what was done to us. And so it just smacked of hypocrisy. And our goal in going public was just sharing our story. Nothing else, just calling out the hypocrisy and saying that as two pretty well-known tech policy professionals who all of a sudden went dark, this is why. We left this company. We had no intention at that point of going public about our stories, but we had to after seeing the way that Pinterest was gaslighting not only us, but anyone else who had been in a situation like ours or who is currently at the company and experiencing what we experienced. When you went public, the story was picked up by many, many outlets and by many people online on different platforms. First, uh, I did some, you know, research. First, the company just didn't respond, right? Correct? They were just ignoring the story. They, they ignored it for most of Monday. So we posted on Monday, June 15th, I think it was the date. And for most of that day, no response, just silence from the company. And then that evening, they then sent a note to, I guess, Bloomberg and Washington Post and a few others saying that they believe that we were treated fairly. Essentially not denying any of our claims, not denying that anything that we said happened or saying that we falsified any of our experiences, but just that, yes, all of that happened and they believe they treated us fairly. And that was it. And then I believe another week passed and the tension was still on them and they issued a statement along the lines, the CEO issued a statement along the lines of, we're gonna work hard to make sure that no one at Pinterest felt the way Ifilma and Erica felt, is that? Yes. so a little bit happened in between. They did, uh, and the two of us have lots of experience working with press and we know how these things go. And we had totally expected the company to try these slights of hand. But the first one that they uh, employed was midweek. They leaked their own internal email that the CEO had written to employees saying that he was embarrassed by everything that had happened, that he wasn't aware, sort of like Trump, and Trump uh, supposedly not knowing about the Russians placing a bounty on American soldiers. He, as the head of the company, had no idea about the depths of the pain and the hurt that were caused. But uh, somehow, still in his capacity as CEO, was going to address it. Then at the end of the week, there was that uh, statement that you're referring to that was given to NPR. Uh, to this point, to this very day, no one from the company has reached out to us. They have our contact information. They have our attorney's contact information. Uh, but they reached out to NPR saying that no one who works at Pinterest should ever feel the way that we felt as though any of this was about our feelings and not about egregiously bad behavior 
uh, that was done by people who are still in leadership. Our manager is still the head of public policy and social impact at Pinterest. His manager, who oversaw everything, is still the general counsel of Pinterest. And you as an attorney understand this, what the company did in maintaining the conflicts of interest and the uh, bad behavior, and some would argue uh, like cross the line of being unethical into possibly not being legal behavior, uh, put the whole company at risk. Can you imagine a situation in which the entire legal team is open to being deposed because of the behavior of the general counsel and the head of employment law and the chief compliance officer, all characters who are on the legal team and were part of what was done to us? I honestly took labor law about eight years ago, but the hostile work environment definition um, really fits here. Uh, this could be a case, an atrocious case uh, study for students who study labor law. It is beyond imaginable of how this company treated you. And I want to thank you for, again, just, you know, being so brave and sharing the story. It, it has the power to change the industry. I really believe that. Uh, I think it has the power to start many conversations that are not being had. I guess my only final thought would be that I hope this encourages more people to speak out about their own experiences. But saying that, I also understand the privilege that I have in being able to come forward. Not only is, am I just um, personality-wise disposed to speak up <laughs> and more disposed to not allow things like this to just uh, happen and not be noted, but also uh, financially, I was able to afford the cost of hiring an attorney. And I was able, and I am able currently to afford not being in a job during a global pandemic. Those are not options that are available to everyone. And so I, anyone who's in an experience, who has been in an experience like this or is currently in one and feels guilty about not being able to say something should not feel that way because it's not their fault. It's the fault of the people who are treating them this way. And I'm going to link to a few stories that were written on this issue in the show notes and um, also of Twitter accounts of both of you ladies. Uh, so our listeners can uh, go and follow you and all the amazing work that you do and all the commentary you provide on tech policy issues. Your voices are so important. Um, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, it was an honor to have you. And I hope that this situation comes to an end and is solved soon and that Pinterest finally does the right thing, and then you can have some closure and move on. I hope so too. And thank you so much for giving us this platform and taking the time to hear our stories. Anytime.